The Isle of Man General Election 2021 coverage on Manx Radio. Good evening. We're live at the Viking in Castletown tonight for the first of our constituency uh, chats around the campfire. Arbury, Castletown and Maloo uh, for the House of Keys General Election on September 23rd. May I remind you that's three weeks tomorrow. The constituency of Arbury, Castletown and Maloo covers a large area in the south of the Isle of Man is made up of local authority areas sharing the same names. It also includes part of East Russian, part of the former constituencies of Russian and Maloo and Santon, along with the island's ancient capital, Castletown, which is where we are tonight. And tonight I'm with Graeme Krajean and Steve Crowther and Tim Glover and Jason Morehouse. We're here to hear what they have to say to the constituents in Arbury Castle, Town and Maloo. First of all, I want to go to Steve Crowther. Steve Crowther, why do you want to become an MHK? Well, um, I don't know about the time I've got, but just very quickly, um, I um, studied at Castle Russian. I uh, studied architecture in, uh, you know, in Manchester and the fundamentals to me were my international travel and I believe right now our constituency had a great legacy to start and we've lost momentum at the current time. That's why I'm here. Now you were, you, were, you were involved in infrastructure in, in the Far East, was it? Yeah, I was Hong Kong, Thailand. What did you China. build? Well, I didn't build myself. <laughs> uh, quite a few projects really, um, you know, airports, particularly transport infrastructure was my What do you think field. of the bypass in Balasala? A great opportunity. Unfortunately, I'll come to this in a minute, we've lost momentum again. And uh, again, we, the big worry for me is that at the moment we don't have a strategic review. So at the moment we have what I would call a postage stamp review of a simple junction, which has now become very complicated. Tim Glover, why do you want to be an MHK? I've been on the periphery of uh, politics, obviously, with my job in the newsroom at Manx Radio for 24 years. I've become frustrated with what I'm seeing and you've got a choice then, haven't you? You can either decide to try and get involved, become a player, or you continue to shouting from the sidelines. I think I can achieve a lot more being involved and represent the people of Arbury, Castletown and Maloo. If there's one thing that, um, that gets your goat then about Arbury, Castletown and Maloo, one thing that you think you know, is burning inside that should be put right, what is it? What do you think? I think people don't feel any better off than they did five years ago and I think we've had wasted opportunities. I can think of the technology gateway at the airport, it's still exactly as it was five years ago and was a big constituency and island uh, concern at the time. Nothing has happened, that's the frustration that I'm getting from the people knocking on doors and I share. Jason Morehouse, uh, do you feel better about the position that you held up until a couple of weeks ago than you did when you got elected? Um, definitely, I've learned a lot, I've enjoyed it, and I've got many skills I've refined hugely. Okay, so what do you think this constituency needs to move it forward? It needs someone who's going to actually be there to push, to ask the questions and ensure that Aubrey Castle Town and Maloo are always at the table and always getting the, the key push that they require. Okay, um, what do you think about economic, the economic well-being of this constituency? I think there's huge potential here. Uh, we're in a good location. We've got the airport here. Um, the airport technology gateway is hopefully on the verge of shifting forward. There was two million allocated to it in the 2019 budget. It's been held back by COVID. And we, we're really in 
probably one of the best locations in the world. And, you know, when people find out about this location and come here, they're amazed. Uh, Graeme Krajean, if you're successful, um, that will be 20 years. Well, yeah, I mean, you've been an MHK for how long now? Uh, 15. Okay. So when you, when you started as an MHK, what were the burning things inside you? What did you want to do for the, for the constituency? Of course, different constituency. It's been merged now. Yes, well, I've always been part of community. Um, you know, I was brought up in Port St Mary as part of Port St Mary Lifeboat, Russian Emergency Ambulance, uh, moved into uh, Balasala. And uh, during my time, I've never been anybody, one of those people who sit back, if they don't think it's right and do nothing, I've always gone out and, and done things. Um, and when I stood for election in 2006, one of my big concerns was that uh, we'd been in a situation where we'd been having lots of schemes, government was spending money, uh, and there was quite a lot of money that was going through. And you always think, well, one day this is going to end and we needed to put something in there to try and uh, back that up just in case we have a, a downturn. Unfortunately, a couple of years into that, we had the VAT. You know, we, we lost £200 million a year off income. You know, and through my time in Parliament, you know, we're still adjusting all the way through that. And of course, uh, now we've had uh, the global COVID pandemic and you know, we've, had, we've spent possibly best part of 250, 280 million trying to deal with that. And that will also have a knock on effect because we're still trying to rebalance. And how are we going to keep those finances, especially with the uncertainty in the world at the moment? Uh, the difficult thing to sink, obviously, is as a constituency MHK, and obviously if, if a, a, an MHK then gets ministerial responsibility, do, is there a danger you lose touch with your constituency? I don't think so, because you know, uh, during my time as Minister for Education, you know, uh, a lot went forward. We, we've pushed forward with the um, uh, Newcastle Russian High School, and there was lots of pressures through Treasury who, who kept on trying to knock the budget down, and we were trying to justify why we needed a swimming pool, the theatre, you know, and indoor sports, or all the modern facilities that a new school should have, rather than just um, a steel portal frame. And we, you know, for, for constituents on low incomes, we brought in a maintenance grant to help uh, those people go to university. So you're able to do things for your constituents. I chair the Balthane User Group, and the amount of work that we've, that's gone on down in Balthane, uh, we've got 100 plus businesses down there, so you're always trying to do that, and I've helped a number of businesses in Castletown. Uh, with respect, the Balthane Industrial Estate remains an industrial estate. It's not a business park. It looks like, parts of it look like a tip. So yeah. to, to make that, I remember years ago, there was going to be, do you remember the airport innovation center, yes. the enterprise center? We had De Beers yes. uh, there as well. And now Balthane Industrial Estate's got some very, dedicated workers there and, and hard-working businesses, it just doesn't look very nice. Well, part of that is that you need to get the road infrastructure. When you go down, and previously, before I, before I got involved, there was derelict cars everywhere. You had the scrap heap there. You also had paper recycling that was, was blowing all over the place. So all those, those businesses have, have now gone. The area's been tied up. Um, you know, so it's working with businesses and also trying to work with local authorities because all these things have to be funded. Steve Crowther, what would you yeah, do to smarten you. up Balthane? Good, thanks. I don't know the opportunity are here. Look, the, the fundamentals is we're talking about tidying up and moving cars. Let's stand back for a minute and have a look at the bigger picture. 
The, the key problem here is this constituency. When we pulled it all together and combined the two, we had a real opportunity. And I believe that the two incumbents had a real legacy. You know, new school that was in the pink book. We had an opportunity for a new technology gateway. And fundamentally, we had an opportunity for new housing. We've lost all three. They're, they're buried. At the moment, the schools are nearly mothballed. No, it's not. It is mothballed. Great, it is mothballed. Well, are we going to have I'm a sponsor all okay. night? No, don't, no, that's Or okay, are we going to move on? I'm going to get a chance to well, speak. Well, your opinion is it's mothballed, okay? Well, it is. Because there's nothing, there's no plan. Okay. There's uh, no school. Oh, okay, anyway, the housing. The Lots housing. of housing. Where? Bal Balasala? Yeah, Balasala, but that scheme was planned. Uh, significantly... Just behind here, there are 36 houses? Yes, there are. 90. And interesting, interesting is that when the uh, Southern Plan was reviewed in 2011, the inspector advised there was no significant first-time buyer housing. Interestingly, uh, particularly because of Graham's democracy at Dandara, we've now nothing down there, and we've nothing in the new development here. We all know there isn't going to be any first-time buyer housing. Exactly why... I've made the Why isn't effort. there going to be any first time by a house? Well, because the current legislation means that the developer at the moment can sell in, on block uh, the uh, affordable homes to buy to let. And that's exactly what we've got at the moment. We haven't got any homes for first time buyers. That's exactly why I've put all the effort into finding something that will work. Tim Glover, have you, um, you've been walking around the entire constituency. Have you come across people moaning about first time buyers? Affordable housing and first-time buyers is the biggest topic that is coming up yeah. on the doorstep apart right. from COVID, but it is the is biggest. This by, is this by younger people or their parents it's who want the, them out of the house? It's all age groups. It's, it's looking after their, their children and their yep. grandchildren. They don't see a way out. People in the estates are wanting to move out but see it's unaffordable at the moment. And it's a massive issue that's got to be addressed very early on in the next administration. If you go back to 2010 and 11, 86 people were helped out with first-time buyers through the government scheme. 2019 to 20, it was 19. There are just over 50 first-time buyer homes planned for the next year. It's not enough to yeah. meet the expectations that are out there. Uh, Jason Moorhouse, you're a teacher for how long at Castle Russian? Over 20 years. Okay, so a lot of your potential voters will have been taught by you yeah. uh, and will be wanting to buy houses. How can we reconnect with first-time buyers and give them a foot on the ladder? Yeah, I think it's a really important issue. I brought a motion in January that was successful. And since then, there's been this slow movement forward. I asked again in June where the information was, what was happening. And last week, the infrastructure minister came forward with something which was pretty basic, but it was something that allows us to talk about the best solution going forward. We, we were in a situation last month where we had over 50 candidates going around the island saying, this is an important issue, but there was no consistency in terms of what we were looking for. There'll be parents listening to this who've got their children living at their house at the moment. Those children want to buy. They earn a decent wage. Nobody, I mean, there's negative unemployment on the Isle of Man. Uh, people with a, a good education can get work and sometimes very well paid work. But we can't seem to break that chain so that they can get a foot on the ladder and they watch people buying multiple properties to let. There, there is a rumour that multiple properties have been bought to let, but in terms of getting the evidence from the land registry and getting the evidence from the builders and other people, it's a tough call, that one. But 
the, the key problem is, and the key problem is, the door. that, that yeah. remains is that there's an issue in terms of availability. Just, can I just finish up, please? Yeah. In terms of availability, we need to plug that gap because until young people can get a home, they're not going to be happy staying on the island. They look for alternatives. Yeah, as part of many developments, even the ones behind us here, there have to be a 25% of affordable housing. But they're not affordable. Exactly. They, they, they go part of the government affordable housing scheme, which, which they go through, which, which they goes through the system. Yeah. So even in, in Balasala and behind us here, there will be affordable housing. One of the issues we've got is that with the current rise in prices and materials and everything else, the scheme needs to be adapted because some of this joint equity that we have is probably too low at the moment with the current prices, so we now need to up that. Regarding uh, Castle Russian High School, I was in touch with the Department of Education, Sports and Culture. They are still looking for a completion date for Castle Russian High School, 27, 28. Is the money there to do it? It's in the pink book, ready to go. So and like anything, it's not ready to go. When, when you've got something in the pink book, any capital scheme still has to go to Tinwald for overall approval. So it doesn't so matter. Where's the plans? So the plans are getting drawn up when they've completed. <laughs> well, well, I'm an architect, Graham, and I can tell you how long that'll take. Yes. It's about another five years, Graham, before you could even, before you could even suggest okay. that someone. But, but, that Mr. but, but unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately you, may, you may not know that the department has been working with people. They've already got preliminary designs, so that final planning will be going in. They're talking about a three-year build, so, so that's why they're looking so at... So the timetable from, let's just say, next Monday, it was approved, it could be another five years. So it, before yes, Castle before finished. it's completed. Correct. Okay. So it's a three-year bill. So that could be 2026. If, if it 27. gets approved. And if the bud well, I understand probably now. Graham told us three years ago at the parents' evening that the bill would be roughly 40, 45 million. It, no problem, he would get that approved with Treasury. Problem is now, I believe that project is probably between 60 to 70. It'll have increased with the, with the, with the exactly. cost of materials. Yeah. Now we've got to put all the... Do you think Treasury are going to do that in the next month? I don't think so. What when state is Castle Russian High School in? It's terrible. I, I can't even... And the worst part is the pool. Let's look where we are. Well, that's at a public pool. Well, no. We've, well, it is, but it's tied to the school. It is. Let's but I mean, public pool. Members of the public use that as well. And, and, and where's that going? So you're saying it's in bad condition? Appalling. Actually, to tell you the truth, the floor's bad. The... Uh, the boilers are in a terrible state. Graham knows all this. And because he's tried to put it into the new school and pushed and pushed, we've now ended up with no school at all. And the result is that we've got a, a guy who used to teach there and, an, and a minister used to be in education, and we've got nothing. And let me go to the fundamentals here. If we have a look at the technology park, all of this works together. So we've now got a constituency with just loose parts that isn't pulling. This is the key question. Okay, Tim Glover, in terms of paying for all this, and if the economy in the south, and we're talking about Arbury Castle, Tamalu, has to move forward, how can we create more jobs? Government needs to be far less clunky and a lot more efficient. I've spoken to uh, businesses that are wanting to set up business in the south. There's a children's television film producer. It's steady work. They're on three productions at a time. They're wanting to bring 100 jobs to the south of the island. Is this to, the, have been to the airport asking, or to Ronald's Way? It'll be into Castletown. Right. But they have been asking government now for some of the promises that were made from Enterprise to come to fruition. And they've been asking now for about a year and a half to two years. Nothing has happened. Government is too slow. We get phone We've calls all the time on Man more efficient. from people saying we're a rich island, we're one of the richest islands in the world pro rata we're, we've had non-stop growth since 1984 
why can't government connect with people and projects to make things happen? Other places do it. How long did they take to build the new airport in Hong Kong? Uh, quite a while, actually, but it was a new island. They did have to use yeah. nearly one third of the Earth's, um, you know, the world's um, uh, dump. You from, know, from the time they started, how long was it? Oof, about seven years, I think. Seven, it's two years longer than Castle Russian High School. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Going back to jobs in the south of the island, Tim Glover. Um, do you think everybody's? And, and, and this is a point about travel. The government talks about. Uh, you know, restricting uh, the carbon footprint. So if we bring jobs to Castletown, Arbury, and Castletown and Maloo, that'll surely help that. So shouldn't that be a priority to get jobs, meaningful, well-paid jobs in the South? And that's why we need two MHKs who are going to be campaigning and shouting and uh, raising the flag for Arbury, Castletown and Maloo to bring jobs down here. We've got a golden opportunity with a load of businesses that are wanting to be based down in the south. Another business I've spoken to is wanting to uh, relocate uh, to the, at the airport, uh, Freeport there. Two and a half years he's been waiting for an answer. It's not acceptable. Government needs to move in a far more... It's hindering rather than helping at the moment. I want to talk about education. I want to talk about Jobs come from education, and our young people uh, often leave the Isle of Man and never come back. Because they can't afford a house. Mr Morehouse, mm. what can we do to make sure that our youngsters who go to university come back, get a decent job and get a house? I, I think the priority is actually going back to the housing situation, but also the, the range of activities for them. There's a major issue in terms of that provision. And until we get the investment by private companies and we actually get the housing, local people are going to look across. And what do you mean by range of activities? Because you've still got a situation where, in terms of the things that young people are looking for, we're quite limited. Fun. Yeah, fun. fun. Yeah, yeah. So, what, nightclubs, gyms? Well, yes, yeah, just in terms of the, the range of resources, because these young people have been at big cities across, they've been at big universities, and they've expectations. And in terms of the island, we're not going to match that head on, but in terms of the basics, we need to ensure that they can afford to live here in a decent home and build up relationships and put down roots again and live happily here. Do you think the education that children receive on the Isle of Man is good enough? It's, it's dependent on which children you're looking at. There's always the issue in terms of making sure every child reaches their full potential. And I would argue that in the past... Do you mean the clever years, ones will succeed and the other ones fall yeah, by the wayside? Yeah, and in terms of the last five years, we needed to be investing more to ensure there's enough support and those children all reach their full potential. Uh, well, there's, you also, were... there's also been an issue in terms of COVID, in terms of actually ensuring every child has had those opportunities. And it's been difficult for the children, the schools and the teachers, but the education has moved forward and learnt a lot from that. Okay, uh, well, Mr. Krujean, you were in that department, Education, Sport and Culture, for, for more than a while as well. Um, is it good enough going forward? Uh, no, and one of the issues that we've always had is, is recruitment of teachers. And, and when you're looking at uh, trying to bring people over here, you know, uh, some of the facilities that we had, like in Castle Russian, which is why we've tried to push it along, is to try and attract teachers here to new, new builds. Because, you know, one, you want a proper environment uh, for the teachers to be in and also the people to learn. So we've, got to, we've actually got, got to move that along. We did uh, work with St Thomas's, we moved them up to Valagild. We did some work on uh, St Mary's School. So a lot of the schools were getting investment. But what you also have to realise is, like we touched on earlier, is 
that the funding for all these has to come from somewhere. Yes. And you know, what services are we actually going to have to look at? And you know, the money is tight. Do, do we have do to raise... pay teachers more to come to the Isle of Man? Well, that's what we offered them. We offered them uh, London Fringe to, to actually um, uh, come here and, and for our, our, our local people. But unfortunately, that was turned down. Um, we'd offered uh, an additional £6,000 from 24000 to uh, £30,000 for new teachers coming in uh, into the profession. But that was turned down as well. Uh, Steve Crowther, so you were in, you, did you live in Hong Kong? Uh, yes, I did. Okay. Well, we're talking about uh, Mr. Morehouse was, talk, was talking about. Issue. Let me just move on to this Sorry. for a moment. Okay, well, talking about answer. facilities, you okay. live in Hong Kong. Yeah. Now that's a very snazzy place to live. Well, it isn't at the moment. Well, not at the <laughs> it moment. Was at the time. Well, it was. Yeah. Okay. But how do we make the Isle of Man, if you like, as Mr. Morehouse said, more fun for young Thank people? You. It, it's, it's not just about fun, is it? I mean, we, we always classify young people as just you know going out for a laugh. Actually, they're really focused today, very heavily on you know, the education process, but fundamentally, let's have a look at this constituency. We have this opportunity for a technology gateway. It sat doing nothing for five years. For me, right now, fortunately, we have a new opportunity. The new EcoHouse hybrid that we've developed offers us an opportunity to develop on the island a new climate change research park. And I would like to position that opposite the, opposite the airport. This gives us the opportunity what we're looking for is the high-skilled jobs. That's what we need in this constituency. That's the future. That's the vision that we need to go forward. And I think if people can see that, if young people can see where we want to go, and that hinges particularly around the biosphere and other things that, that you know, at the moment, if you ask most young people, they don't relate to it. If I ask most people in the room, they probably won't relate to it. What does and the biosphere mean to you? Well, well, I'll tell you what it's described as, and, and I'd like to bring that out, actually, a great opportunity. It's, the UNESCO biosphere is about our entire culture, not just, you know, flora and, and trees. It's actually about us. And actually, it really does offer, if used properly, a real potential to show investors our integrity, where we want to go, what we want to deliver. And I believe that young people, if they can see that, if they understand where we're going, if we're clear... You know, and Tim's mentioned joined up government, and it always sounds like they're all holding hands, actually, but the reality is it's making sure there's a little bit of an element of executive that stops, you know, some of the nonsense between departments and that we look as if we're strategic. Tim Glover, um, in government, there are elected members and there are officials, some of them very senior officials, paid a lot more than the people who are elected by the people. Uh, how do, does an elected member get, their, get their will through over senior civil, civil servants who may not agree? You've got to win arguments. You've got to bring other politicians along and build momentum and pressure uh, for things to go through. But can I just return to housing? Because I didn't really get a, a chance to Very quickly. put some positive uh, points across there and what we can do. Government owns a lot of land, a lot of brownfield sites. Why aren't we selling plots like we have done in the past? Ballalot, just down the road here, over School Hill, it was built that way. A plot was sold and then you built your own house. Well, That's a cheaper way of doing it. Exactly. School site that exactly. offered the best chance. Um, Lost. The rental side of things, 
affordable housing should not be your first time buyer housing and it has there is a difference because the interpretation of affordable is not what the public see as affordable it's first time buyer houses that we need to be focusing on but affordable housing in all of these schemes should not be rented out and should not be bought by multiple per, per, uh, by multiple Do you think government should bring in a law Tinwald's very nimble it can bring in a law when it wants do you think they should bring in a law to say that somebody can only have a certain number of properties to, for, for buy to let? I think that you start to tax people more on, the, on ownership of multiple properties. So, for example, a second house that's bought, 10%, a third house, 20%, has to be uh, limiting that opportunity for people because at the moment people with money are seeing the only way to get a return with interest rates so low is to go into property but at the same time that's having a knock-on effect for our youngsters who will leave this island and I've heard of several that are planning to go as well if we lose our youngsters we're losing our potential professionals and teachers uh, doctors, nurses and uh, any other profession that you want to bring people into and where we're short at the moment, we're not going to be able to do that from people within the Isle of Man. We've got to make the Isle of Man an attractive place for our youngsters and affordable for them to get onto the property market. Okay. I've heard of 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds that are still living with their parents because they cannot see the light of day of ever getting on the property ladder. Jason Morehouse, do you talk to, I mean, 16-year-olds can vote. Do you, have you, when was the last time you spoke to a 16-year-old on the doorstep? Um, about two hours ago. Yeah, it's one thing, I, I've, I've tried to keep local links and I've gone into um, local schools on a regular basis. I, I've been heavily involved with junior achievement. I think it's important that all people in the constituency have got access to their MHK. How important is, do you th is it, do you think, then, that young people get onto the, get onto the ladder, get a job, and then contribute to society? Because I want to come to antisocial behaviour and how we combat that on the Isle of Man. There's been a rise lately about, of antisocial behaviour. Yeah, I think we're in a good place, and there's always been a very small group of individuals. You can tell them in any age, and those individuals don't carry out their lives as we perhaps expect and there's a backlash, there are issues. But the majority of young people are incredible. They're so motivated, they're fulfilling their dreams, whatever it might be, and we really need to be patting them on the back and saying, well done. You know, the, the problems that we've seen in areas like Onken are hopefully just one-offs and a small group of individuals. There are thousands of young people across the island who are doing this proud every single day of the week, and they're, they're special, they make the island special. Okay, I want to talk about poverty on the Isle of Man. I want to talk about the underclass and the people that we don't often talk about, uh, Steve Crowther, yeah. uh, and getting the economy working for people and breaking a cycle of dependency yeah, sure. from people who come from families that don't see any point in achievement, and that just yeah. goes on. Actually, this, just going back again to... I'm sorry to revolve around a, a housing issue, but it does illustrate a point. You see, so if we, you know, probably, we're probably talking about areas of social housing here. And one thing that I can measure is that, you know, a lot of people assume that some people are in social housing, perhaps have a nice car on the driveway, or, and there's a belief that, you know, they're sort of exploiting the system. The real truth is right now that at the moment, nobody can get a house. They can't get out of that situation in social housing. Unless you talk to a lot of people, which is exactly what we're doing right now, you really feel the measure of that. So at the moment, there is a real chance, I think I've got a great system and others to you know, really 
help people to move. You see, if you can see a, uh, one or two people who can't get a mortgage, very, very difficult on the Isle of Man, they're stuck in this rut, and if they can get out of that, it would actually help the social housing, free up some space. Some people get their first house, and that does it change the whole poverty cycle if we can begin to work on it. Uh, Graeme, Kajin, has this changed over your tenure? Um, there's been changes in there, um, like we were talking earlier about uh, the schemes that government brought forward, but um, like, we, like we said earlier, that you know, material prices has gone up, that the, the yeah. total cost of housing has gone up, and I think what government has to do in, in the next administration is actually look at maybe loan guarantees, because we've done that over the COVID period for businesses, you know, we need to increase possibly the equity share. And one thing that I've always been advocate for is, say, the land up in, in Balasala, which is government land, is, is actually having that buy to build. So you can actually go down that line. So you're not having to just go to the big builders and have their houses. But it's also sort of giving people the opportunity. And, and the other one that's going to be coming in is the infrastructure levy. Now, part of that infrastructure levy could be used for um, if, if you're looking at, say, Castletown, that young people could, or could go into to those properties and get a grant from government to do up old properties, which would be really helpful. Do you think there are more poor people on the Isle of Man than there were when you first came in in 2006? I, I think there's the, the, the aspirations of people has, have moved on as well. And, you know, so far we're, we're lucky that we haven't got people begging on the streets, but we still have a lot of people who are sofa surfing that haven't got anywhere to go. And what worries me is that in the future we're going to have serious mental health issues from people who have nowhere to go. Okay, we're live tonight at uh, the Viking in Castletown. I'm Andy Wint, and with the constituents and also the candidates who are vying for the two uh, MHK pos positions in Arbury Castle Town and Maloo. Uh, the constituents in Arbury Castle Town and Maloo give the two MHKs a five-year contract uh, to do their best. We're with Graham Crajean, Jason Morehouse, Tim Glover and uh, Steve Crowther. And by the way, there are pre-election meetings as well. This is a special Manx radio programme from the Viking. Uh, there's a pre-election meeting tomorrow at Arbury Primary School from 7 till 9, uh, next Tuesday the 7th at Castletown Community Hall, and on Wednesday the 15th at Balasala Primary School. And as just may say, tomorrow night, uh, Manx Radio is out and about, and we're with uh, uh, the... Um, uh, Air and Michael at uh, the Ginger Hall in Solby. Right, we'll go to the uh, audience now in, um, in the Viking. Uh, anybody here with a question? We have microphones out and about. Everybody's been watching terribly politely here as well. Anybody? Oh, there's a lady here. Yes, your name is? Angela. Angela, your question, please. Um, given a lot of the talk has been about lack of skilled people on the island, whether it be security people at Ronald's Way, um, tradesmen at Dandara, doctors, nurses, dentists. What would be your stance if the island was asked to bring in, um, take re Afghan refugees? Okay, Jason Morehouse. I think this is a tough decision. I think in the first instance, so we need to be making money available because those people are really in a difficult position. In terms of them coming to the island, we need to actually look at what facilities we've got available. At the moment, we've got real pressure in areas such as mental health, in terms of housing, as we've heard, in terms of all those key support areas that these people would need. So I think it needs to be considered, and we need to look at the options and the possibilities, 
but we can't rush into it. But in the short term, there should be some funding to ensure they are being looked after and have a decent standard of living. If suddenly we were offered five Afghan refugees, would it be a good idea to, to accept them? I think it would be difficult given the current pressures we've got. Tim Glover. We couldn't just turn away without thinking about Tim it. Tim Glover. I think Jason is right. The infrastructure is creaking and groaning here on the Isle of Man, as uh, has been asked in the question there. But I think we're better than that. We're meant to be an affluent society as well. I think if we just took a family that was going to offer skill sets to the island, that sets a good example. We've got to do it proportionally for the very reasons you've said, but I think we're better than just saying, let's just send some money into nowhere. Graeme Crudeen. I think you're assuming that we will be given an option about which refugees that we'll actually take. Uh, and, and so, you know, like Jason said, uh, the advice that the government has previously been given is that the money that we send helps thousands of refugees and you know, what we've seen across the health service at the moment, even for our own people, we are struggling to, to have mental health professionals. There's, there's three mental health professionals in, in the police service and, and that's it. And you've got to have the infrastructure and support in place for these people because it's not going to be that easy to integrate one family. They need uh, a support mechanism around them. Steve Crowther. I think, look, you know, we're playing politics here, aren't we? The, the issue is that this is, you know, we're an international uh, jurisdiction. I think we need to show humanity. That's, I understand that. I think the key thing is, though, that we must make sure that, you know, whenever you take people... Uh, on board, you really do have to resource that properly. It's not just a case of taking somebody in for the sake of it. Okay, yeah. and uh, the lady there, what's your response? Um, yes, I, I just referring to what Jason said, we're needing housing and things, but we, need, we do need people to come to the island, and wherever they come from, they're going to need housing, aren't they? Oh, yeah, definitely in terms of that, but we need to actually look at what we can offer at this moment in time. We can't rush into things. I was in Sheffield in the early 90s studying and they brought a, a small community there and it wasn't done well and there were major issues so anything we do needs to be taken we need to look at the full issues but in the first instance there needs to be immediate support do you think we should accept uh, afghan refugees i just think that it'll never happen but if if we were in that situation i would hope a country would take me in okay uh, any other questions from the floor here yes Sorry, sir, your name is? Will. Will, and what's your question? Um, housing. We, we seem to talk about a lot about housing and the problem with housing. Um, and I feel that a lot of the problem is due to the pension funds buying into the houses on the Isle of Man. And I think we need to res re re restrict what they can actually buy into. So, for example, at the moment, I think you can't get um, mortgages on the Isle of Man um, if you, unless it's over 150000 to protect the first-time buyers. But in reality... You can't get a house on the Isle of Man for 150,000, so it needs to be up to to three, four hundred thousand, I think, to protect the the uh, the first-time buyers. That's you know, I think Steve Crowther. Well, that's a great question for me. Look, yeah, exactly correct. That is the problem. Just two quick questions, two quick answers. I know with time. Um, one of the key factors is you can't get mortgages on the Isle of Man because of repossession laws. It has, does actually cause a lot of problems. So it is a challenge, and we are stuck in this cycle. Interestingly, that's exactly why I've spent the last five years helping an entrepreneur develop a true eco-hybrid system that allows a four-bedroom house for 180k. That's exactly why I'm here, because we need 
the legislation that allows us to deliver that through developers, rather the big carrot rather than the stick. How much, it, how much yeah. did it sell for, though? I think you need to say yeah, that. Absolutely. It sold that, for well, over 400000 hasn't it? It's it sold for only 400000 that's the differential. But we can sell them for that. You know, a developer can sell them yeah. for that. And that's the key. Okay, Graham Cregee. I think what we've got is we've got a number of employers over here as well who are trying to attract staff over here. And the only way they can do them is that they've bought up a number of houses and then they rent them out to their staff and that's been causing the issue with them. One of the things that we can do is actually put some additional cost in um, land registration fee. So if it's your second, your third and your fourth house, you then increase the cost of that registration and then you can use that money, but you've still got a problem that you know, people are seeing that got no returns in the bank, it's about 1% and they're seeing 7% return on, on housing so, so that's what you're competing against, but government has to take an active role in, in actually developing the first-time buyer market. Jason Morehouse. Yeah, housing's key. It's something that we all need to be aware of. But we, we also need to think about the alternatives to buying. There's a lot of people out there who do not want the responsibility of having a 40-year mortgage, whatever it may be. They want affordable, suitable, private sector accommodation, social housing, and we need to look at the range of property. But we, at the same time, first-time buy houses need some form of protection because at the moment, there are too many investors, too many people going into that marketplace. But how there's can you just, stop investors, there's, 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 Mr Morehouse? Well, well, how can you say that? That's, surely that's anti-competitive. That, that is the issue. And in terms of if you try and come up with a solution, they'll come up with an alternative. So we've got to make sure there is a range of properties and some of the properties are clearly for first-time buyers and the assistance is there to ensure those individuals can afford those houses. Jim Glover. One of the things I'm pushing is that uh, government should be a lot more strategic in its thinking. And if we go back to the current uh, first-time buyer schemes that government has, they're reacting now too late because the property market has already surged away. £313,000 was the average house at the end of December. Uh, we know it's a lot more than that come September now in 2021. They talk about 140 to 190,000 flats and two bedroom houses, way out of kilter. Yes, they've announced that they're looking at it, but again, it's slow. It's not going to be brought in until April 2022. That's not helping anybody now. Government is too slow. It needs to think much more proactively and strategically and should have been prepared for this uh, spike. It was well known it was coming. You could only ask to uh, talk to estate agents last year. So it should be one of the first things that the new administration talks about and nothing should be on or off the table. Well, it what's your response? Really yeah, no, no, I'll accept the, uh, the, the comments here yeah, just to... Uh yeah. Why did you ask the question, Will? Yeah, it was just really because you, you, you hear of uh, properties being bought without even being looked at. Um, you know, you, you look at houses and they're being sold, 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 and they're not even being looked at. Um, and there's people just businessmen, or um, I know for a fact, um, pension funds in the UK, they're just putting the money into that because it's, it's easy money for them. So do you, think return? do you think Tinwald should, should legislate should, against that? Yeah, I think there should, there should be some sort of restriction in the amount of houses. I think um, one of you said about the, the amount of houses you can, you can buy before you end up paying more, more tax. Maybe that would deter it a little bit. But yeah, I think the, that's where 
a lot of the conversation we've had tonight is about housing or it revolves around housing i think this is this is where we need to sort it out the, the housing issue okay thank you will anybody it's else the biggest do? issue on the doorstep yep. without question. question out there there we are Hi, good evening, gentlemen. Um, mine's regarding to, we've had one of the candidates has referred to a possible mental health crisis in the future. It's actually now the mental health crisis. It's not coming, it's already here. What I'd like to know from the candidates is we haven't got an endless pot of money. We know there needs to be some action how would they go about dealing with the current mental health crisis? Steve Crowther. Get worse. Well, thank you. Uh, it's Jane. Isn't it? uh, thank you, Jane. I think the, the key for me is that um, well, let's just have a look at this. Obviously, this cuts through most of society, particularly after the COVID period. And my own daughter um, faced a lot of challenges. She was in isolation for nearly two weeks at the beginning, the first lockdown. It was, it was, you know, it was pretty devastating. Left her with panic attacks. We talked about it because we wanted to tell people about that and, and fundamentally um, you know the, the key here is how to uh, particularly on major issues that are influencing schools for me mobile phone peer pressure social media let's have a look at real strategies to help deal with these issues because it's preventative rather than just the cures that we need at the moment certainly we need investment in departments and we need the right people to speak to, to channel people in the right direction. That for me is using the intelligence of the system rather than just, you know, um, carte blanche uh, approaches to, you know, throwing money. That's not the answer for me. Graeme Kragene. I think what we've got to do is we've got to front load the, the expenditure now because the cost is going to be even greater in the future. So we, we have to do that. We, What's this for? More mental health professionals? We, we really need that. You know, in, in uh, education, sort of, there's three, three educational psychologists and the amount of work that they have to deal with already, the, there needs to be more input in there. And, you know, we will have to find that money because otherwise, if we do nothing, we will have a serious problem in the future. And, you know, it's about priorities, where we, where we put our priorities and that's going to be one of the key ones. Jason Morehouse. Yeah, I'm, I'm really concerned about this area. It's something that the faster the response, the better the outcomes. And it's particularly noticeable with young people. They're having to wait 18 months, two years. And for a child of 14 or 15 or younger, two years is a huge amount of time. And they're missing out on their education, on their family life and key things. It, it must be a priority. Whoever gets in must really push out. It's, what do you say then to members of the older generation who just say you need to pull yourself together to man up? They went through the Second World War. They went through a depression on the Isle of Man. They, they went through an early part of life with no money. And uh, what, how do you counter that? I, I, think, I think that is something that, that people were saying earlier this year. I think the third lockdown really hit many people. Yeah. And I was surprised at the kind of the middle-aged, older person was ringing me up in despair. And they, for the first time, actually saw that things were outside their control. And I think we're a lot more able to recognise these situations. Right. And I think it's not just the young people, it's older people that are also in the situation. And we need to respond. You definitely. think there's a genuine mental health crisis? Yeah, I think in terms of COVID, it just shifted everything further in that direction. Tim Glover, would you use the word crisis? Yes, I would. I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg on this and the indicators have been there long before COVID as well with the uh, shocking suicide rates that we've uh, seen in recent years uh, on the island. 
the evidence was there, nothing was done. This again is why government needs to be a lot more strategic. The answer at the moment, yes, they put some, uh, announced some more resource for the uh, crisis team because let's face it, you can't book a crisis for tomorrow. Tomorrow might never come. A crisis is a crisis. I think at the moment they need to work, government needs to work with the third sector a lot more closely because there are uh, some excellent charities that are doing some excellent work within uh, the mental health area. We need to go right to education as well and we need to take away the stigma within schools about mental health. We need to give coping mechanisms, teach that within the schools to people. But it, we can do all of this, but again, unless you take this strategic approach for government, unless you deal with the causes of mental health issues, yeah, we're still going to have that crisis. Yeah. So it is always about being a much more strategic and forward-looking thing. You deal with the issues that are there, and we've discussed some of them earlier tonight, affordable housing, poverty, uh, addiction, jobs. Yeah. Okay. having uh, jobs. Just a quick uh, comeback on that, Jane. As long as you're armed. Yes, um, I, I do think that government can't afford to do everything on its own. Okay, anyone else got a question for the candidates here as well? On the far, far side, your name is? My name is Nadia, good evening and thank you so much. Jolly good. I've, um, I just want, would like to um, uh, raise a few points that I found paradox in, so I can talk about it forever and where that we haven't got the time. So uh, firstly, I really agree, strongly agree with the lady, Sari Jane, about the mental health crisis. Um, I think that this actually started way before COVID. And um, I even tried to raise awareness around the suicide rates rising rapidly. And someone actually sent me a message saying, you've got to shut up and just not say that. I mean, why? Okay, what's your uh, question? So uh, the question is that, um, I've got young children in school, so one of them is in the cast, both in Castle Town in Victoria Road and in Castle Russian. So I think that generally the children live in the island. One of the reasons is because they're not happy here to start with. There's a lot of bullying happening in the schools, and I think that the morals at school are very low, um, which is not really good enough, and I think that not much is being done around it. So, for example, my little daughter got kicked in the face and came back with a mark on her face, and I think that the children have a lot of anger issues okay. due to many things. So, I think that that should be uh, that, that there should be more things done in school to support mental health at early age and be like be um, addressed at early age, so they don't grow grow up into. Um, aggressive or depressed okay. young people like mindfulness meditation yoga good. okay well therapy. we appreciate that question I'll, I'll go to a former teacher about that something we picked up on man in line when we go around the schools is bad behavior amongst younger not sixth formers but amongst younger people and bullying in schools yeah, I, I think it's one thing that goes back to that lack of investment in terms of support within the classroom teachers have got bigger classes it's more stressful all the issues linked to COVID have put more pressure in that situation on the teachers, on the schools and the individuals. And I think it's one of those things that when the education bill came, was coming through, we, we said we need to just stop for a moment, take stock of the situation we're in and really get to grips with what's happening in schools. I think that's so important. Yeah, but parents will want to know, how can you stop bullying? I think all the time you, you need to be looking at that as an issue, whether it's one child or any number of children, it's got to be looked at and solutions have got to be found. Definitely. Okay, Graham Krajean, can teachers stop bullying in the class? No, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's from teachers and back to the families because you actually need the support of the families as well. 
So, so it's not just a case of, oh, well, the teacher has to deal with this. The, the, the family has to support this. And, you know, like we said earlier, um, having those uh, mental health professionals in the educational psychologists to try and help people to understand why they've got these yeah. issues. But, you know, it, it, it's across society. And, and you know, uh, Jason had said about the education bill. Well, one of the things that we've been talking in there was a social media policy. Now, that's been put back years because it's not been brought forward. And, and, and that's what one of the unions that had been asking for was a social media policy to try and deal with those issues. But there were so many unions, weren't there? Five unions? Yes. <laughs> I mean, and again, this comes back to the lady's daughter getting kicked in the face in a school in the south of the Isle of Man. I mean, this is the Isle of Man. That really shouldn't happen, should no. it? No. And that's where they need to bring the parents in and the teachers and to talk to the families. And, and they need the support from there because, you know, your child will be then worried about going back into school, so they need to deal with this problem. Steve Crowther. Can I just go back a step, please? Can I, just, I, can I just ask... Uh, uh, was the incident actually reported to the school? Because I think that's quite an important one. Was the school on multiple occasions, I've, I've, had, I've, I've, I've been through hell with my daughter because of trauma that we suffered, and she was put at the education support centre. She was uh, got hurt there, so I had to pull her out. I wrote to Dr. Allison himself about it. And it's been going on for years. So there's a, a just now I've had a message from a friend of mine who said that her daughter is terrified of going back to same school in same class as mine, and another child from a next door class. Uh, their parents have just removed her and gone to private education because of issues with bullying. I'm just feeling that because. I did try to speak to the mother of the child that hurt my daughter as well, so she threatened me police with police if I tried to talk to her again about it. Okay. So she's not being cooperative, cooperative at all. Jolly good. So Steve Crowther. Yeah, I didn't quite catch your first name because I can't hear behind here. Nadia, I, I just want, sorry, I just wanted to say one thing that, you know, I think that they, they could, yeah. something could be done at school. Okay. All right. Thank you, Nadia. So it's Nadia. Nadia. I was going to name my little daughter Nadia when she was young. Um, right, just an omen. Yeah, it is an absolute omen. Uh, the key thing here for me is going back again. It's really looking at prevention. And we've got to start a lot earlier. You see, this is why I, I, I have to focus on our chief constables told us that we have a serious drugs issue in our schools. And that's also combining with a, with, with a lot of key issues, uh, particularly mental health. But if you just have a look at particularly, I want to talk, I can talk about kids when they get to secondary school. But let's just have a look at 14 to 18. Um, you know, we took away a lot of things. They can't go in bars at 16. Fair enough. Um, you know, there's a lot of, they can go in bars, but there's restrictions. But, and there's a lot of other issues that we've taken away. Okay, it's a good thing. But the problem is we didn't give them anything else to do. And that's the key area that we need to focus on. But coming back to secondary school, we need a strong strategy about the mobile phone, peer pressure and social media. Graham's mentioned aspects of legislation. Good. But what I'm saying is it needs a grown-up strategic view as to how we're going to go forward. OK. All right. We're going to leave that there. Can I answer that? Sorry. Very quickly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, on the point you're making, Graham's mentioned the education bill. Uh, it was rightly withdrawn from Timul because it just wasn't fit for purpose. And that was coming from teachers and everybody else. There is a reluctance from schools to actually suspend transgressors at the moment, which... Uh, do you know that for a fact? Yes, I do. If you talk to any parents on the doorstep, they are telling you there's not even a one, two or three strike. It's, there's a real reluctance to actually take action, and I think that needs to change. OK, any more questions from the audience here at the Viking? Yes? Your name, sir? My name's Jeff. 
All candidates say the same thing. They've all got proposals to create an economy, but they don't say how. Attract business from UK or Germany or France, don't say how. Mental health, refugees, Manx radio subsidy, it's all got to be paid for. There's an economy dying in the Isle of Man. What are you going to do to attract business to come here? Whether it's the tax rate, not 15%, what are you going to do to attract business to come here, set up here? Do you think the Isle of Man economy is dying? Yeah. It's died. It's died. Okay, Jason Morehouse. I think it's the key priority actually to look at the economy to ensure there are jobs, there are also the opportunities. I think the biggest issue that overriding is the size of the government. At the moment, it's taking some of the young, the best skilled, the most ambitious people, and those will be so much better in the well, private government sector. was supposed to get smaller, it's got bigger. And, and that is a problem, and that, that's something I brought to Tim Walton in June, and the motion was successful, it's coming back in January, but yeah, we really actually need to shrink government back and get the government working within its means, because at the moment, they're borrowing money, they're looking at a whole new range of things. In terms of private businesses coming, they're wanting to come here, they want to do business. It's making sure there aren't too many regulations and too many restrictions and red tape on them. What's stopping businesses coming then? I, I think that they are coming but the issue is once they're here it's, it's ensuring that they can do business and get things done. Okay. There are lots of restrictions and we're not good with a follow-up. Uh, Tim Glover, um, Jeff just said you know politicians will say things. Uh, you said you don't want to make a load of promises that you can't keep. So what do you think about the economy? How can no, uh, Nobody just... can make any promises here apart from to work hard. That's the only promise you can make when we don't have a political system here, a party political system. There's a lot of things that can help. Government needs to be a lot more flexible. I talked about this uh, production company that's wanting to bring 100 jobs to the island. The only reason those 100 jobs aren't coming to the island, which will help boost the economy, is the clunkiness and the slowness of government. It needs to be a lot smarter and a lot slimmer and a lot more effective in dealing with things. And we also need to stop wasting money. Let's look at the flip side of that. We're wasting long millions on schemes like Douglas Promenade that's overrunning, like the Liverpool landing stage, which is why I support this central uh, idea of uh, taking the, the uh, capital projects off departments and Very controlling quickly, it with Krajin. professionals Very elsewhere. Quickly. The issue that you've got is that to attract companies over here, unemployment is so low, so then they have to bring people over with them then they need houses to go into. So you've got that cycle that you need houses to put people in. We, the house prices are so expensive, they, then it puts it up. It, it's going this vicious cycle of uh, trying to attract them in and having the people here, which we've got that issue with. The other one that we have is, and Tim's right, the Department of Enterprise has been really clunky. It's, it's dreadfully slow at times. And what we need is that to put some vitality in it and make sure that the people in that department can go out. Okay, very quickly, sell, Steve Crowther. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I think I mentioned this the other day. The key thing here is making sure that we have a clear vision of what we want to do. We're talking about an, a joint venture. That's the other aspect. Making sure that we can work with uh, private enterprise. Looking at investment, some of the key issues in the UK at the current time are that the UK government is investing heavily in small business. Their mantra is productivity. You're absolutely right. We are going to face challenges to attract people with work permits and other issues. But let me come to the fundamental. We, right, we need a, a focusing government that's joined up, that's, that's clear as to where we want to go. There's a good quality of life that we experienced in part of the um, you know, COVID period. That's what we need to project. 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, each candidate will now have one minute to address you, the electorate. We'll start with Jason Morehouse. From my perspective, the strength and growth of the local economy is and must be a priority. Without this, young people will not return home, businesses will not succeed, and we'll all be worse off. Economic success will ensure that there can be better investment in things like mental health, there will be better investment in education, and a new school at Castle Russian will be built. Over the last five years, I've been an active community MHK. I've got out there, I've met people, and I've tried to take things forward. I've been an approachable person who is always there, an important link between local people and national government. I am someone who gets things done and at the same time prepared to say no when I feel it's wrong, as was the case with the £400 million bond. Over the last five years, I've been one of the most active MHKs in terms of asking parliamentary questions, in terms of bringing motions and getting things done. OK, Graham Crajean. I think from um, my, my years of experience in Tinwald, that I've got a proven record of actually achieving. It's not just a case of standing by the sidelines and throwing stones. It's actually about what you can actually say that you've achieved in, 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 in that time. And during that time, yes, I've had uh, motions to Timwald regarding Crossock Farm, about planning, about developments, and, and also as, as part of my time in the Public Accounts Committee when you're reviewing these schemes. But I think going forward, the next administration is going to need people with experience of actually a record of achievement because they will, they're the ones who's going to have to get on with the real work of government of protecting the island, its people and in its economy. And with that, I hope the people of Arbury, Castletown and Maloo will see from what I have achieved over the t my time in Tinwald that I have been good for my word. Thank you. OK, Steve Crowther. <laughs> Go. Thank you. Look, what we've heard here today is, you know, we have done things and I'm doing things, but when we actually look at the constituency, nothing's delivered. The school, the ATG, the, the uh, you know, which I'd like a climate change technology research. We're the same with the housing. The Castletown housing has been buried pretty well. Yes, we have got some housing, no first time buyer. I have a solution to these challenges. And the same with the school. I, as an architect, I know that we can move this forward much more quickly. These are the essentials. We need the investment, we need the creativity, and we need the long-term vision that will take us forward. It's really essential now, if I'm given the honour of being elected, that somebody finally delivers for this constituency. Thank you. And finally, Tim Glover. I think it's a good opportunity to uh, press the reset button. We need a fresh approach. We need two MHKs for Arbury, Castletown and Maloo who are working together, which they haven't been, working together for the good of this constituency and the good of the island. They give more weight than to the cases that they're bringing forward. I think the Isle of Man government uh, needs to take a far more strategic approach to all solutions, whether they be local or indeed big national issues. A strategic approach with some forward thinking. Let's have some competence in government. Let's get rid of the waste. Let's uh, take this as an opportunity to really move forward and hopefully in five years' time we'll feel a bit better than we do uh, currently. It's my time as a commentator. I want to come to an end. I think it's time to become an active player on the pitch for your team. OK, ladies and gentlemen, I only have one piece of advice uh, for you, the, the gathered multitude here at the Viking, and if you're a constituency, uh, 
a, 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 um, a constituent in Arbury Castle, Tamalu. That is just to think very deeply about when you cast your vote three weeks tomorrow. The House of Keys general election is three weeks tomorrow, the 23rd. This has been our first debate, and I thank everyone at the Viking and the enormous production team that we've had here as well. Uh, tomorrow night, we're going to be live at the Ginger Hall in Solby. It will be packed because there are umpteen candidates, and we're hoping to get round to everyone. So I thank you for your, if you're listening to this as a podcast or watching the video, somewhere, anywhere in the world, anytime, day or night, as an exiled Manxie, we thank you very much indeed for being with us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Viking in Castletown, I'm Andy Wint. Thanks to uh, Ben Hartley, to Beth Espy, uh, to uh, Andrew Beasley, to all the assembled multitude, and Matty Cunningham as well. Thank you for being with us. Good night. <laughs>